I was pacing among them, moving up and down between the rows of desks as if trying to find my way out of a labyrinth. We were reading from a Ricardo Piglia essay. We read about the dual nature of the short story, and it didn't surprise me as I looked out to be met with a sea of faces covered in acne and heartfelt bewilderment. We read that a story always tells two stories. We read that the visible narrative always hides a secret tale. The story's construction makes something hidden appear artificially, we read. And then I asked them if they'd understood it. Any of it. But it was though I were speaking some Bantu language. Silence. But, rashly, undaunted, I stepped further into the labyrinth. Several of them were dozing. Others were doodling. An overly thin girl toyed with her long blonde locks, absent-mindedly coiling and uncoiling a twist of hair around an index finger. Beside her, a pretty boy eyed her lasciviously. And from within that vast silence, I heard the drone of tittering and whispering and gum-chewing, and then, as I did every year, I asked myself if this shit was really worth it. I don't know what I was doing trying to teach literature to a horde of college kids who were, for the most part, illiterate. Each fall, they'd register for their first year, still emanating a sort of doleful puppy-dog air, looking like lost sheep, yet smugly convinced that they weren't, that they knew everything there was to know, that they possessed the most absolute understanding of the secrets governing the universe. Who cared about literature? Who cared about one more course with one more stupid jackass spouting even more stupid bullshit about books? And, oh, books are so wonderful, and books are so important. Yeah, whatever, dream on. But me, I'm fine with no books and no jackass who still thinks literature matters. They were thinking something like that, I suppose. And I suppose, too, that seeing them sit there year after year with those same self-satisfied expressions those haughty yet ignorant looks on their faces, I understood them perfectly, and even almost conceded their point, and recognized in them some trace of myself. It's like the stars. I turned around and saw a thin, dark-skinned kid whose fragile features made me think for some reason of a rosebush. Not a rosebush in bloom, but a sad, spindly rosebush with not a single rose on it. Several students giggled. Excuse me? It's like the stars, he said again, softly. I asked him his name, Juan Calel, he replied just as quietly, without looking at me. I asked him to explain what he meant by that, and he sat in silence for a moment as if ordering his thoughts. Well, stars are stars, he said timidly, and again came the tittering, but I asked him to please continue. I mean, the stars in the sky are the stars that we see, but they're also something more, something that we can't see, but that's still there. I said nothing, giving him space, giving him time to elaborate. If we arrange them, they become constellations, he murmured, which represent zodiac signs, which in turn represent each one of us. I replied that that was all well and good, but what did it have to do with the story? He was silent again, 
And while he thought, I sauntered back to the desk where I'd left my milky coffee and took a long, tepid sip. What I mean is, he continued falteringly, as if each word pained him, a story is something we see, something we read, but if we arrange it, it becomes something else, too. Something we can't see, but that's still there, between the lines, implicit. The other students sat in silence, staring at Juan Calel as though he were a freak, awaiting my reaction. I considered the metaphysical and aesthetic ramifications of his words, the many implications that even Juan Calel himself probably wasn't aware of, but I made no comment. Instead, between sips of coffee, I simply smiled at him. After class, back in the faculty lounge, I poured more coffee into my paper cup, lit a cigarette, and began leafing distractedly through the newspaper.